Carl, you maybe want to uh, set down your phone and record the podcast? Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, this podcast may contain spoilers. No, that's not what... Whatever. Welcome to Carl and Gabe Go to the Movies, a podcast about my crippling movie theater addiction. You really, really do have a group. Like, the amount of movies you've seen in October, compared, even compared to me, is, is shocking. It's shockingly... Uh, it's something. I went to the movie theater 10 times in October and also twice since then in the last week. And I've got reviews. For Up the, the wazoo? People. Up the wazoo. Yeah, no, I didn't want to like curse right in the opening minutes of the podcast. Um, it's been a busy month of movies since No Time to Die was released in early October. And as we just said, we've barely left the Cineplex since then. We already discussed Bond earlier in the month, and then we discussed Dune on our last podcast. Check those out if you haven't listened to them yet. But we wanted to talk about all the other movies that we saw in October, and Which was also like just like I I don't even remember all the movies we did end up watching. It was packed. It's just a scheduling thing because of you know so many movies getting delayed and pushed back. A lot of these movies, a common theme among them is that they were supposed to be released a year before. And so the subject matter of the movies kind of maybe feels a little bit like, oh, we already went through this as a society two years ago, right? Because there was... We are a society. <laughs> these movies are responding to things that happened two years ago. They were supposed to come out one year yeah. ago, and now they're coming out God, now. I, the technology Bond has is nothing compared to what I have. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to touch on them in chronological order. So starting on October 1st, you went and saw The Many Saints of Newark. I didn't see this movie because... You're not a Sopranos fan. I've never seen a single episode of The Sopranos. And you, about one week before this movie came out, were like, oh, Gabe, you need to watch The Sopranos so you can see this movie. And I was like, that show's like... That's like, I said, that's like, that's like 250 I said, hours of television. <laughs> I, said, watch I said watch an episode. This is a prequel. So you don't need to know what happens in the show, really. To, to like, as long as you have a, a grasp of which character is who, etc. Mm -hmm. That's all you needed to know. And you were like, eh, not for me. I ain't your parents kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I sound exactly like Eric Cartman. <laughs> That's what I you remind talking. me of. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a big fan of the show, and you have seen all of it, unlike me, who has seen a total of zero minutes of the show. So did the movie live up to your expectations? No. It was... Uh... It had good uh, good aspects to it. I just think that they muffled that they took the story, which was supposed to be about Tony Soprano becoming who he was later, right, as an adult, through his uh, uncle Dicky Moltisante, who is who is uh, the father of uh, Christopher Moltisante, and that was like the the, the re sorry the um, trailers and all that had made you going to the theater thinking that it was going to be a story about Tony Soprano. And it is about 25% about Tony Soprano. Yeah, the entire trailer, when I saw it, it was just purely just, this is Tony Soprano's origin story. Right. But it just wasn't what it was. I think they were trying to make some kind of, I don't want to say political statement, but they were definitely trying to get into the whole uh, history of the uh, Detroit, or sorry, the Newark riots. Um which are an important event, right? So, like, I'm not trying to say I shouldn't have that in there, but it was, it was, it took me out of the story of Tony and put me into this story of uh, an uprising, you know, inequality, all that kind of stuff, which is 
fair to to do in if you're not doing a Sopranos movie. Like if you want, if he wanted to make a movie about that, he should have mm. made a movie about. Like I feel like it's not fair to the to, to the Newark riots and what happened then to stuff stiff that into a Sopranos movie, and then also it's not fair to Sopranos fans to say you're making a story about Tony Soprano and how he became Tony, mm-hmm. and then deliver on none of those, uh, you know, ideas. So I feel like they just didn't know what they were going. They went left, they went right, and then it just was muffled or muddled, and uh, it was nothing what, you know, you expect. So it almost sounds like they wanted to make a movie about the Newark riots, and the only way that they knew that they could get the movie made was to say, oh, it's a, and Tony Soprano's there. And yeah. The big wigs at HBO And no one says like, Gabagoo. Yes. <laughs> Where's my <That's>, Gabagoo? <laughs> They were like, yes, that that there we go. We can fund that movie right yeah. there. Yeah, there was a, like a lot of fun stuff. There was some uh, Michael Gandolfini, uh, you know, to, um, mm. James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini's son, yeah. son reprises the role of Tony, which was really cool to see. Uh, he wasn't just, I just he just wasn't given enough of uh, a role really to shine in this, unfortunately. Right. But I mean, it's cool to see that. It was really cool to, and he obviously has a bit of a Tony, like because he's the son, so he has a bit of some of the mannerisms. So it was kind of cool. And then I thought uh, Alessandro Nivola, who played uh, Dickie Maltesante, did a really good job. He was a good character. A little crazy, a little psychopathic. But, you know, well done. Uh, Roy Lyoto was in it from, you know, Roy Lyoto, Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had a very minor role. And then they brought him. So yeah, since you don't really care, what happened is Roy Lyoto characters character is the father of uh, Dickie Maltesante. And Dickie murders his own father out of anger. Oh, my God. Dickie, uh, Roy, Roy Leota's character is beating up his Italian bride, uh, <laughs> who's really attractive, and uh, Dickie's in love with her. <laughs> so he murders his father. <laughs> he puts him in in like, like a garage that his father owns, but he never visits, so it's odd. Burns it, sets it on fire during the New York riots uh, while the riots are going on, so they blame it on the rioters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his uncle's in prison, and... Guess who his uncle is? Roy Liotta. Oh, yeah. So Roy Liotta plays two characters. It's kind of odd. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, weird. <laughs> I was really thrown off by that. I'm Roy, uh, Ray, uh, Ray Liotta is a really good actor, yeah. so he kind of pulls it off, but it's just odd. It's an odd choice. Uh, and then, like, there's some really cool, like, uh, guys, like uh, Billy Magna- um, Magnuson mm-hmm. plays Polly. And I know you don't know who hey, Polly is. Polly, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Polly is, like, a really, has really interesting mannerisms and stuff. Uh, and so he pulls off that character really well, but it almost comes off as a caricature. I don't know how to say that word. Caricature, yeah. Like, it's almost like he's trying too hard to do that. Right. So all in all, I, I like the soprano-ness of it. Um, there was some really good acting. There was like, like an ounce of really good potential and then it just lost it. They, they, they just, they I don't think they really knew where the story was supposed to go. Right. Um, so I think I gave it two and a half stars, unfortunately. I really, really was excited about this too. Yeah, I saw a lot of mixed reviews about it and it didn't it didn't particularly make me want to go and watch The Sopranos just so that I could go see it. I, I will I will eventually watch the show because, you know, obviously it's a classic, but Well what throws me off is like Sopranos is such a popular show. So mm-hmm. many people love Sopranos. Why and I don't know if they did the whole more of a political angle on it just because they wanted like people to go see it, but they didn't advertise. Like I just don't understand that that decision to not advertise it as the yeah, story like, that least, it was. Yeah. yeah, or and and if and if they did that so that more people would go see it, or they wanted to sneak that message in about it. I don't know what the me- and that's the thing is like what was the message? 
like cops suck. Like that was kind of the, you know, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really anything in depth. Like there was nothing that would be like, yeah, it was just very like. Right. Very surface level. Yeah. Stuff, and I just felt yeah. that was also didn't serve like, it just like if I was, if I was someone who had, you know, family involved in that or whatever, mm-hmm. I would have been like, this is stupid. Like this isn't telling the story of the New York rides <laughs> anyway. So. All right. So two and a half stars from yeah. Carl for that one. So also on October 1st, this is a movie I went and saw by myself. I tried to get uh, Carl to come with me, but I think you were busy or working that day or something. Yeah, I have a life. This, <laughs> Yeah. I do too, but I just fill up every moment of free time with going to the I travel. I travel an hour and a half to work, so yeah. it's a bit of a... Oh, I know. Yeah, you, you, have, you have to travel so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said that so, like, on, like yeah, okay, whatever. All right, so the movie that I wanted to talk by myself was Tétain. Uh, it is a French <laughs> just movie. Just make fun of you for how you said it. I, I'm trying to pronounce saying, it correctly. I it's went to see Tintin. French for Titanium. It was very good, Tintin. It's French for Titanium. Uh, and this is a really fucked up movie. <laughs> yeah, this, I saw the trailers. Uh, it's been entered as France's submission for the uh, Best International Feature at the Oscars, which is... In one way, it's a really good movie, but also kind of shocking to me that a body horror movie <laughs> is a best international uh, feature, um, not nominee, but uh, entrant. Basically, the start of the movie, a serial killer has sex with a car and becomes pregnant, and then she pretends to be a dead fire chief's, or sorry, a fire chief's dead son. <laughs> so... She's pregnant and having to hide that she's pregnant because she's uh, pretending to be this guy's son. So she's having to like painfully like bind herself all the time. And it's really gruesome to watch. And there's also all these complications with the pregnancy that you would expect when you're having the child of a motor vehicle. So she's like leaking oil <laughs> out of her body instead of blood. It's really gross. I would say that. Um, you, you know that that phrase from drug commercials where it's like if you are nursing pregnant or may become pregnant, I I'd say that don't go see this movie if any of those things apply to you because it's the stuff that happens to her throughout the pregnancy is very distressing and I think that um, anyone who maybe is going through that what, or recently it, gone through did it that have a sex scene with a car. Yeah, do you want me to explain? <laughs> I'm just trying to picture. How you get pregnant? I mean, I get it. It's like a horror body horror. So yeah, so doesn't like, have to make sense. She 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 works at um she's like an erotic dancer at like like a car show. It's like some weird mix between like a porn uh, show and a car show. Well, not like a porn show, like a like yeah, like a gentleman's club or something like. They, and a car show. And a car show, yeah. So there's like girls like dancing on the cars and stuff. She showers and then goes out to her car, and some dude follows her out to her car, and she kills him because she's a serial killer and he's serial killer they didn't put that song in this movie i'm really upset. <laughs> they did not put that what? Song. that's a perfect they put it's a french movie why would they put english songs with but it has casse in it <laughs> um yeah so she she kills him and then she goes back in the shower again and then while she's in the shower like this loud banging it just echoes throughout the place. And then she walks outside and the car is just like 
revving its engine and like <laughs> hitting her with its high beams. So she climbs into the back seat, and then the car. Wait, so this car is haunted. I it's guess coming at her like what's that? What's that Stephen King uh, car movie? And uh, instead of running for her life, she's like, "I'm going to get into this haunted car. Yeah, so maybe she, I'll get laid." So she gets into the back seat of the car, and then like like bindings appear and she's like got like her not, you mean the seatbelt uh no because her i don't remember what they looked like but her arms are like up like that uh, yeah and that <laughs> people can't see but my arms are like up in like a t position show them gabe <laughs> visually <laughs> and then the car like bounces up and down like it has hydraulics <laughs> it's so it's so strange. It sounds totally ridiculous, and it is totally ridiculous. But it's in the vein of those like movies, like uh, uh, Teeth, right? Yeah, or or Rubber with yeah. like, like a yeah. rubber well, tire. And, and this and this director also did the movie Raw, which I haven't seen yet, but I think it's about cannibalism. So she's kind of known for this stuff. Um, it is quite upsetting to watch at times. Like I was thankful that the seats around me were empty because I, my body was just, as I was watching it involuntarily trying to like pull away from the screen <laughs> as I, I like was like sprawled out across the seats or something like, Oh God, I can barely watch this at times. So I was glad that I saw it at the theater because I probably would have paused it about 20 times if I was watching it at home. <laughs> to take a break? Yeah, I would have had to take like breaks to be like, take like a breath. <laughs> In the theater, you're like, oh, another pee break. No. <laughs> so what'd yeah. you give it? So uh, I gave it three and a half stars and it's my 13th favorite movie of 2021. So it was good. You, you it was good. It was, I, it was good. I really liked it, but it is like just fair warning to anyone. There is some distressing scenes in this movie. Right, right. Um, so another uh, very strange horror movie, I guess, that we both saw and also entered for the best international feature at this year's Oscars is Lamb. Uh, do you want to tell us your feelings about Lamb? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, how do I even like go about explaining the story? I, honestly, I thought it was going to be more disturbing. Me too. Um, it wasn't quite. Oh, actually, you know what? The cast is, was really small too. Yeah, when you think about it, it was only like, like what four or five actors in total. I think most of the budget of this movie went to the CGI for the lamb child. Yeah, that was actually well done. I, I at first I thought they were going to show the lamb as a child. They were just going to show like its feet and maybe like some white fur mm. or something. But they because that's what they kind of did at first. You didn't really get to see it, its body anyway. Yeah, you just saw its lamb head. Um. How do I feel about this one? I I was a little bit bored, but mm. ready to be disturbed. So I was like slightly disturbed, ready to be really disturbed. Never got really disturbed, and then it kind of like petered off. Yeah, it it, it feels like it's building to something that it it, it like eventually so, does pay off at the end. But but it, does it? But that's the thing. We just get a it, we just it, get a lamb man killing the. Like, it feels like it's going to pay off earlier in the movie and that the movie's going to take a turn, but the movie never... It doesn't take that turn until, like, the final dying seconds of the movie. So I, I did think that that was a little bit disappointing. I would have liked a little bit more of an exploration of this... Because they tease kind of this bigger world with that final scene, right? That there's maybe whole... Uh, like, a whole society of these half-lamb, half-human people... Maybe. I don't know. The movie ends right there. And 
I you and, never get into it. And I, like the couple things I, I should say, I want to say mm-hmm. a couple things I liked about it. The uh, sound design was really good. So the the sounds of the of the of the lamb farm, the the walking on the on in the you know with the rubber shoe like the boots and I don't know like the, it had a really good soundscape. So I really enjoyed that. I, I the acting was decent. I thought the actors were really good. Um, ah, those are the two. <laughs> I, well, I think that something that you would also agree with is that the scenery is beautiful. Yes, the cinematography is nice. The, the 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 place where this farm is is beautiful. Absolutely stunning. It's yeah. a beautiful valley, and it's a. It, the movie never even it doesn't leave the valley even it's it's very yeah it's a it's a singular location yeah for this movie, and everything basically. everything kind of revolves around the location mm-hmm. which it, it was beautiful and they utilized really well yeah go ahead sorry well just and it's a big part of the story is how isolated they are right it's right it's it's the reason why they can have this half lamb half human child I honestly thought that it was going to be that the that the lamb child wasn't real, like that that it was like a doll right. or something, I, I, and that they were just pretending for the sake of they had a miscarriage or something like that. And when the brother comes, yeah, that's what I thought too, because they did the 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 lamb. They named it after their miscarriage. Their child died in a flood. Oh, in a flood. Okay, right. sorry, I couldn't remember if it was a miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. It was, it was like a flood. flood, and that's when the lamb gets lost. The lamb child gets lost. They think it's in the river. Remember? Yeah, and it kind of cuts to them remembering their daughter uh dying as well right 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 yeah but i i don't understand what this movie was trying to say like what was the point there was there a point like that's where i was trying to get like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to conclude i wanted to re- feel i wanted to understand what was the point of this whole thing and there was it felt like there was no point yeah it, it reminded me of the plot of uh shame um the ingmar bergman movie except for that it had like not like that movie has like political statements to say about like you know the things that happened to the civilians of a nation during wartime. Uh, this movie doesn't really have much to say. I just in wonder. That way. It's just kind of a similar plot without the statement. But I wonder if we're missing context, like because it's a. Uh, it feels like it. Like we're we're missing something. It's sorry. It's Norwegian. Uh, Icelandic. Icelandic. Sorry. Um, so I think maybe are we missing like I think I can only think of is that we're missing some kind of cultural. There's some type of folklore that we're not understanding yeah. here, probably. Yeah, and I tried to look that up to see like if there was some type of storytelling tradition. I didn't look very hard though, <laughs> but to see if there was some type of storytelling tradition in Iceland that uh, maybe we didn't know about that that we're missing the context of. So it's very possible. That what What did you give it? I gave it uh, three and a half. Also, you gave it really high. I gave it three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I, debating two and a half to three. So I have it 14th on my uh, 2021 list. So it's one spot behind Titane. It's got a poor rating on line two, uh, 2.9. Yeah. And I think, well, part of the reason why I gave it three and a half is because I freaking love that ending. It was yeah. really great when she's standing there and just. Yeah, and I disagree. I don't think the ending was good. It was anticlimactic. The guy gets shot by a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, it was no point. I don't understand. Like, it would be cooler if they dragged him off to, like, the lamb world or something. I don't know, but it was just kind of, he just gets shot and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, come with me, my child. I mean, he didn't say anything, the lamb man. Yeah. But the lamb man. I, I don't know. I enjoyed that ending. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, the acting was strong. That, that's my biggest. Yeah, Numi Rapace yeah. was really a good. I thought um, good the, act. The two uh, actors. Uh, I can, honestly, I don't want to even butcher their names. <laughs> Didn't butcher their names. They're good though. But, All right. Uh, do you want to yeah. do you want to move on to yeah. uh, like a real horror movie in the um, the sense of the word that most people in, would interpret it as? Halloween Kills. Oh, the Halloween Kill comes come out before October fifteenth. Oh. I thought last did we see the last duel after? Last duel and Halloween Kills came out on the same day. Okay. So we're we, doing... we might have seen the last duel uh first. Then. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, uh I mean I'm a big Halloween fan as you know. Mm-hmm. I love the original. It's he, uh, Michael Myers is my favorite uh slasher killer guy. Yeah. Um he terrified me as a child. Uh I really enjoyed the two thousand eighteen one mm-hmm. uh but actually i forgot to tell you this so i rewatched 2018 one with my mom and my sister uh for halloween just like when i was uh, at their house and um i noticed something that i didn't notice because you know how in this one it kind of they kind of go why does michael kill yeah and he he usually he's always seeing himself in reflection mm-hmm. and then i noticed that in the movie he kills people he so he kills the little boy in the car because he sees his reflection in the oh in the window no in the, in the windshield. in the windshield yeah then he kills then he's walking to through the like neighborhood and he 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 looks into he, it looks like he's looking into the living room of a house but what you don't see is his reflection mm-hmm. you see his reflection sorry and I'm like oh there's a reflection so then he goes into the house and kills that lady yeah then the next lady he kills he also sees himself in a mirror, but it's a like as he's walking, he notices himself in a mirror, and he goes into that house and kills that mm-hmm. lady. And then, so this is all the 2018 one when uh, they find him in the house after he kills that babysitter and that little boy. Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, you notice that he's standing in the in the room, staring at his reflection in the mirror. Yeah. So I don't know what the third movie is going to tie it into. Yeah, but it looks, seems like there's something like he almost like he's killing because he sees, and then also when he when he's in the police car, being brought to uh, what's her name's house, Lori, uh, house in the in like the forest or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he kills the doctor, but he also kills the doctor because the the camera makes it really obvious that what he does is when he wakes up because he was knocked out because he got hit by that car. Mm-hmm. When they're in, he's in the backseat, he looks at himself in the mirror again, and then he kills the doctor sitting in the front seat. Right. So like, there's a tie-in, and then the I didn't and I didn't they, notice they, that. And they, they explain it later in the movie too that like they they said that after he killed his sister, he would stand there looking. People thought he was looking out the window. But he's looking town, at himself. But he's looking at himself, right? And so that's what it the made, reflection of evil. I think is what it is. So it, may, it reminded me of, and then the rest of the second movie also tied into this quote from Nietzsche: "Beware that when you are fighting monsters, you do you're." You yourself do not become one, for when you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you, right? So yeah. I think that that's the entire theme of this trilogy, I guess. Is that- and like in the 1981, the doc- Dr. Loomis says that there is that there is no, that there's only evil in his eyes, the, the eyes of a, mm-hmm. of a murderer, of, of an evil, like pure evil. And I think, I wonder if they're trying to say that Michael Myers saw his own reflection, saw the evil in himself, and then thought by killing the people, like, killing whatever's in his way of that reflection is almost like he's trying to kill himself. Right. And then he falls into the abyss of you or whatever that saying yeah. is, which is kind of poetic almost. It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. I, I think that 
So they try to do the whole first part of that quote that when you are fighting monsters that you do, yourself do not become one. Which they all, all become as well. The entire town develops like a really comical like bloodlust in this movie that I don't know if it really works. It's really over the top. Like all of a sudden the town hospital is like, how big is this town? Like there's like all of a sudden like thousands of people in this <laughs> yeah. hospital it feels like. Um and I don't know. There's some really cool kills too for him in this movie. Like when he uses the what did he use the car door or whatever to make well, that he girl didn't, shoot I, herself. The thing is, I don't think he really intentionally used a car door. No, he swung it open to get to someone, and that and then the door hit her yeah. gun, and her gun spun and <laughs> shot herself. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was just like whoa, whoa! It was like a really just like shocking uh, one. I felt like they also went a little comical with this one. Like little John and Big John was great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so then when I see, when I see that stuff, I, it's like, that's when you realize like, yep. And that confirms that Danny McBride was, was one of the right. writers of this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think that was a highlight for me. The little John, big John characters, yeah. they were great. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm torn. It's not nearly as good as the 2018 one. 2018 was no. a seriously good horror film. This one wasn't, wasn't really scary. Um, I'm, it's interesting the direction they're trying to go with, but I, once again, they're they're making Michael a mythological mm. character, well, which I don't. I didn't think they were going to take this and series. That and that one scene where they've they've beat him to a pulp at the end, and then he gets up and murders. I don't know, like twenty people. Of people. Like, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the scene in uh, Rogue One where Darth Vader comes into the oh rebel my god. Do not compare that scene to that. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's just reminding me of that right where yeah. it's like. It's like, oh, he's going to do the thing. He's going to do the thing that he does, even though there's so many of them. He's going to do that. That was the scene of Darth Vader that, like, you realize, like, how terrifying he yeah. was. Like, oh, my. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's scary. Like, but that's a scary guy. To me, it felt like that scene with Michael at the end of this movie was trying to capture that vibe. Yeah. It didn't really do it for me, though. And here's the here's the other thing about this movie that made it not very strong, too. The acting besides I was literally gonna say, besides yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis who's you know great well, but it's pretty weak Judy Greer I she gets a bigger role in this movie and oof, I don't know if Little John and Big John are a star actors they, they were great that's the only ones uh, so yeah <laughs> really great we got to see your guy uh stewie from mad tv yeah uh, do some great Michael comedy McDonald. work yeah he's <laughs> yeah. great he's he, he should be in more stuff i don't know why he doesn't get more uh i don't know recognition i feel like i see him in comedy stuff but yeah no, yeah i don't know we'd like to see him uh doing some more big john little john uh, <laughs> you want him in the he gets revived somehow as well oh uh, that'd be amazing if they somehow <laughs> came back <laughs> uh what about uh will Patton? He's a good actor. Yeah, he's yeah, he's decent. Um though he he survived somehow being stabbed through the neck, which is silly. <laughs> yeah, no, he like I do like I do like him as an actor. I don't know if Halloween Kills is his finest work, but <laughs> You know who I liked in the original? Uh I'm trying to find his name here. Toby Huss as Ray as the father. I love Toby. I, I watched a show called um Halt and Catch Fire. Okay, yeah. And he's a, one of the main characters, and he's so good in that show. And I just, I wish I saw, I wish I would see him in mo- mo- more movies because he really mm. is a great actor. But he was really, he wasn't really great in that one, but he had, mm-hmm. he was funny. And um, yeah, so what did you give it? I gave it two and a half stars, and it's 31st of the year for me. Ooh. 
Bidding. Get it? Oh, yeah. October. Wow. Look at that. Uh, I gave it three. I had to give it three. I, I, honestly, I, if I was being non-biased because it's <laughs> Halloween, I'd, give, I'd probably give it two and a half. But because it's Halloween and it's Michael Myers, my favorite, I'm going to give it uh, three. All right. So a little bit of a stronger movie that came out on the same day was The Last Duel. This is the first of two Ridley Scott movies in back-to-back months. This one uh, didn't do so well at the box office. I don't even think it's playing in theaters anymore, really. It was a really yeah. short run. This movie was delayed uh, release because of the pandemic. So it, it touches on, um, it's kind of, people have described it as like a medieval Me Too uh, story. <laughs> um, and so in that way, it feels like, oh, like, you know, this this is like a a, a, a theme that, you know, is been touched on a lot in the culture lately. So I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, like, they just weren't in the mood for more of this right now. But I strongly disagree. This is a really strong movie filled with really great performances, especially Jodie Comer. She's great, yeah. She's amazing in this I, movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really look at it as a Me Too movie. I just look at it as a a movie mm. telling a story, um, fictionalizing the story a little bit because we don't really know much about the true story. Yeah. Um, but it was well told. I liked how it told it from three different. Pro- I liked how it, each character uh, had a version of what happened in their own eyes. The only mm. thing that one thing I did like is that the rape scene was exactly the same in both in both versions. Yeah. Um, because I think it would be do do the whole story kind of at least the way they were telling the story kind of would have done a disservice had they shown a more different version of what happened. Yeah, it was that was a really. Uh, unnecessary i don't want to i don't want to say i don't want to say it was an interesting choice but it was it was um it was interesting it was interesting the way i just that, didn't want to have to see the that way twice. That, yeah i know that, that was, was the it was, it was but what? then it, but then again maybe because it made me feel uncomfortable when mm-hmm. i was sitting there in the theater i was like kind of like looking around like there, we were it was actually quite a busy theater for that movie that we were in yeah i think we went and saw the opening day uh, yeah so we had like people around us. So I just felt uncomfortable, which is like probably good because that was like I think that was kind of the the goal. Yeah, it it, it did a really good job of making you uncomfortable in those scenes. Um, Driver is really good in this movie, and I love how versatile he is. So was Matt Damon? Though, and I yeah, thought this isn't Damon's not bad in this movie, but you know he's he, Adam Driver. He good once in again, Matt yeah. Damon once again has like a janky haircut in this movie. He just loves. I wonder trying, if he was shooting. Uh, he just loves trying to make himself more ugly than he is. Do you think eh? he was shooting? Because he was he was shoot. Uh, what was the other one we saw this year with Matt Damon? Um, the one where he goes to Europe. Uh, and oh yeah, Stillwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of almost. It's like a hick version of that character, but if that character lived in medieval times, yeah, medieval he's, France, he's really in his like I got to do some like try to do some character character acting phase. Oh, and Ben Affleck, sorry, Ben Affleck's in this movie as well. Yeah, is, so Matt Damon and Ben Affleck reunited. This is the thing that makes it so surprising to me that nobody went and saw this movie. They have big actors. Yeah. yeah, these are big name actors. These are really popular. And really, people. Ridley Scott is known no director to like scuff at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and Ridley is doing some really great work here. It, the storytelling choice, like what you touched on it, that seeing the same scene two, sometimes three times, it got kind of tedious at times where it's like, uh, this again, but yeah. it, it was really interesting how it revealed the biases and blind spots of the characters. When you went like, Oh my God, this is 
what happened is totally different in Jodie Comer's version of the story than it was in Matt Damon's version. And the one thing that I would say, though, is that it was a little bit ham-fisted the way when there was like the the text on screen where it's it just says basically that Jodie Comer's version of the story is like the truth. Like, so it, yeah. it, it says it basically means that her version of the story is like 100% factual. So it basically just goes, hey, remember the first hour of the movie that you just watched? <laughs> that was all bullshit. I just think that was interesting to take because like Matt Damon's character sees himself as chivalrous. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, I don't think I said that word right. Chivalrous. Yeah. Chivalrous. And, uh, you know, as a good guy and he's gentle mm. with his wife, yeah. he's, which he's not. <laughs> and then, you know, Adam Driver's character sees himself as a smart, mm. uh, like, you know, great guy who's yeah. a great friend and didn't backstab anybody, which he did, and <laughs> didn't rape anybody, which he did. Although I, I was really curious, so I did look up the true story. So it's not so cut and dry. Um we don't. Like, the true story is very like muddled, so we, they, it could have been completely made up for uh, because the the characters were real, mm-hmm. um, the people were real, and uh, this event took place. But we don't know the extent of it. So was there a real duel? We don't know. Yeah. Um, would they have like the law, medieval law? So I watched a whole video about medieval law after watching this because I was really curious about learning like the backstory of this. So medieval law was really weird because like medieval law would say, yeah, if you lie, you'll get burnt at the stake, but like nobody ever got burned at the stake. You know what I mean? Like, or at say, least like, not for lying, yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? They would always find a loophole. Like, actually, we're allowed to not do that for this one. <laughs> and they like, so there's actually never been a uh, case in medieval law that, that they could find that actually had uh, a woman burn alive for claiming rape and then God disproving her or whatever. Uh, the dual idea is true too, that that was a, a written down law. But once again, there's never actually been historical proof of an actual duel taking place in this way. Right. At least in that time period of uh, France. Well, and they kind of touch on that too, like a little bit. Tiny bit, yeah. They kind of admit to it because they they go, they say something like, oh, duels were, the king says, oh, I thought duels were outlawed or whatever. Yeah, so medieval law is weird. I, I just, I understand why they didn't bother to touch on that. They It was, a, they're trying to tell a story and they yeah. have to, so and, I really thought it was cool, uh, but I was just wanted to point out one thing mm-hmm. I really enjoyed and I really enjoyed this in medieval movies. I love how real it felt. Like, the fighting feels real. The, mm-hmm. the castles seem real. The way the characters uh, act and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The grittiness I, and the duel itself. I felt like that's the highlight of this movie for sure. And the only thing that we see once, I believe, in this movie is the duel. It is phenomenal. This is what Ridley does best is mm-hmm. sword fighting, right? When you think of Gladiator. Um, King Ridley Scott di- directed Gladiator? Yeah, dude. I didn't know that. For that's some like reason. his. That's well. I mean, it's hard to say what his iconic piece is. Yeah, because like Blade so Runner. <laughs> yeah, it's so so many. But I, I think yeah. Gladiators probably. I guess, yeah, no, I guess I did know that somewhere deep down. I just didn't, yeah, I and forgot, it's yeah. what Ridley does best, man. He's. I, I mean, I'm excited for House of Gucci, which is a totally different yeah, story than this coming up in a few weeks. He's but. an old man who really seems to like be up with the times in like terms of like storytelling. Yeah, it's. It's like you wouldn't think this me. was filmed by a seventy-something-year-old man, right? He's in his eighties. He's or like eighty, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's one of my, it was a good one. I thought it, it's one of my top favorites of the year. There's, mm. yeah, really, just yeah. really like to say it again. Really, really good acting performance. Yeah, Adam Driver movie. is just Adam Driver's just Driver's maybe the best. You give him even right you now. give him even awful characters like Ben uh, Ben Solo. 
<laughs> he does interesting things with him. And that's the thing. Another and he makes thing that too, character great. He's yeah. not afraid. He'll he'll play, even though he's a really big actor now, he'll the guy's play, a Navy SEAL too. He'll play the he'll play the worst human being like he does in this movie. Like Jean Degree is a or sorry, Jacques Degree. No, is, that's that's Matt Damon's character. Uh Jacques Le No, Matt Damon is Jean Carouge. Jean Carouge? Yeah. Oh. Are you sure? Adam, yeah, Adam Driver. Yeah, you're probably right. Jacques Degree. He's oh, a, the the Google has it wrong. They have They have Jacques Degree as Matt Damon and oh, okay. Jacques Le, Le Grouge as. I'm pretty Adam sure Driver. I'm getting that right. Yeah, yeah, because Jodie Comer is Marguerite de Carouge. Okay, yeah, that's right, Jean de Carouge. Yeah, that's yeah. that's Matt. But that, anyway, that's, Adam anyway. Driver plays yeah. a a total scumbag in this movie, right? And but he'll also he plays the good guy just as well. He's a really versatile actor and. He, I love when he yells. It's yes, the best. <laughs> but he's so good at it. Oh my god, I, I still think of Marriage Story and just oh, his Amazing. acting is. It's an. Uh, I'm still rattled that he didn't win for Marriage oh Story. Oh my god, I know. Um, the only thing I think that could have improved this movie is if it was shot in French, it had like French act, mm. right? Because it felt like it was it was realism, and so it should have been. Done, done in French. Yeah, but you guys really, choose different actors then. But. Yeah, which then Adam Driver. But you know what I'm saying. I yeah. think it would have maybe. Oh, one last thing. We, we should hurry up because we still got a lot of movies to touch on. But Alex Lothar is going crazy as King Charles. Yes, he's King so Charles. good. I love that. <laughs> he's just like just clearly supposed to be like the product of like inbreeding and like just <laughs> yeah. just being having way too much power yeah. and just no one can tell him what to do. At and that time he's period, just like, yeah. oh, yeah, these guys want to fight to the death? Okay. Sure, why not? That why sounds not? entertaining. Yeah. And he's like so entertained. I just, I, that, that time period is such an interesting time period of human mm-hmm. history. Like, I, I would love to like go back in time and like see the world. I probably not though. Like when you really think of probably not. It'd be horrible. That's yeah. the thing when people say, oh, I'd love to live in that time period. No, no, no. I want to live in that. I just want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to experience, like, what was it really like? Like, yeah. I'm really, really... Terrible. Just in- terrible. <laughs> <laughs> was it, though? Probably, yes. Yeah, I, I think, it was. I think that most likely... No penicillin. <laughs> most likely you're dying in the mud, like like a live, like a piece of livestock. Um, <laughs> okay, grades, would you give it? I gave it three and... Sorry, four, sorry, I gave it four stars, and it's my fourth favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah, I gave it four. Yeah. Really? Three and a half or four. I think I gave it four. Really, really great movie. Um, so October 22nd now, we're moving on to the next weekend. So Dune came out this weekend, but it wasn't the only Timothy Chalamet movie that we got that day. We also got Wes Anderson's latest film, The French Dispatch. Now, we got it in limited release. I think in Ontario, it might have only been playing at the one theater. This well, now, I think now it's playing. Now it's, yeah, it got a wider release now a couple weeks I didn't later. I see it. Um, I have seen it. It's... Can I just say something funny? Huh? When you asked me to go see The French Dispatch, for some reason in my head, I thought it was some old movie. You thought it was The French Connection, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And I'm like, nah, I don't really have time for uh, that. To this. I was just, no, I was busy. And I just yeah. had like, no time to go see like a classic film. And then I realized like way after, like a week after you went to see it, that it was a, uh, the next Wes Anderson. I'm like, yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I want to see it. Well, maybe we'll do uh, if we if we've got some extra time, we'll watch we'll rewatch all of Wes's works and maybe do a Wes Anderson pod in a 
in a slow Ooh. time period sometimes because yeah, I think yeah. we both enjoy Wes. I love Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a really interesting director. He's it's a really unique uh, style of storytelling that he that he does. Yeah, Mo- and I, really unique visually too. I love a lot of his movies. Mo- one one of them that I remember not liking at first was Moonlight Kingdom, and then I rewatched it, and then I loved it. Yeah, uh, so I'm not sure what that was about. I don't know. Maybe you're just but, in a bad mood the first day you watch it. That can happen sometimes. Yeah, but the Grand Budapest Hotel is like the, one of the best films. It's in my top top yeah. fifteen. So this movie, I would say, it's not on the same level as Moonrise Kingdom or Grand Budapest Hotel, but it's still a good movie. It's interesting. It's trying to do something, um, just well, not just like, but we were just talking about how the unique story structure of the Last Duel, um. The French Dispatch is structured story-wise like a magazine and not a movie. It has a, a prelude, um, like an introduction to the magazine, and then each uh, story. There's hold on. I know this podcast contains spoilers, but I do want to watch this movie. Should I? Okay, be- <laughs> no, I won't spoil it. I ju- I'm just talking about the story structure don't spoil of the movie. It for me. It's just it's multiple different stories, and um, I've listened to other people talk about this movie. And everyone who talks about it has a different favorite story from it. So I was listening to a podcast where one guy said that the one that was my favorite was his least favorite. <laughs> and so I thought that that's really interesting. The different stories from this movie speak to different people. Um, Is it in the story style of like uh, Buster Scruggs? So, um, or, or is it, are the characters more intertwined? No, there's almost no intertwinement. I mean, there's an overarching story of this being the last the last issue of this magazine. It, there's a little bit at the beginning about the editor of the magazine and his wishes, and then at the end of the movie, you know why it's why it's their last issue of this magazine. Um, but between that, it's just three or four. I don't remember independent stories and it, it actually will it says at the beginning of them like what the story is called and then it's like pages 20 to 40 or whatever in you know the what? magazine i'm gonna go see it tomorrow all right there you go carl's buying his tickets right now while i'm talking about this. no no I, I i this is something i wanted to watch i love wes anderson yeah and it's got a really strong cast and some of the best actors of the last 50 years have one line in this movie Willem Dafoe, I don't, I think he has a non-speaking part in this movie, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Interesting. It's just like the troupe that Wes Anderson is building right now is insane. It's the the best movie troupe in the history of cinema, probably. And I love his heavy use of Adrian Brody. He's probably one of the few people who uses Adrian Brody correctly, I feel, and I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, so, yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. It's my third favorite movie of the year, and maybe we'll talk about it more down the line. A couple Bond actors. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright and Matthew Amar, uh, Amalarak. Yeah. Um, Amal, and, how do you and, say his name? And Leia Seydoux, too. Okay. Am I, I, I know I butchered that last name because I, I don't really know that actor's name, but... Yeah, interesting. I was just looking at the cast. Francis McDormand, amazing. Oh. Adrian Brody... Francis McDormand and uh, Chalamet are great yeah, together in this movie. Benicio del Toro. So it's a pretty uh, stack. Owen Wilson's in this too, which I, I actually really like Owen. I know the, the you laughed at me once because I said I'm a big fan of Owen Wilson. You're like, who's a big fan? I'm like, I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, and it's great to see Wes and Owen Wilson reunited, right? They worked together on Wes's early movies together. Wilson was a big part of those. He wrote some of those. 
And so it was really nice to see them back together. So what makes this a poor... Like, okay, I'm trying to understand... It was a poor movie. No, not a poor movie, but for a Wes Anderson movie. It's not... Cons- like, is it the, oh, it is the script not as strong? It doesn't have quite... Like, his movies are known for, like, the, the heart that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie has a little bit of that, but it, it doesn't have it in the same, like spades that grand budapest or moonrise kingdom has right where Mm -hmm. you just feel the love just pouring out of like every scene in these movies um and i just thought that maybe this would have worked better as like wes anderson having like a limited tv series on a streaming service or something like that i would have liked these stories to be maybe further explored a little bit i think that they could have worked as individual movies really all all these stories, they're all good stories. So, right. Yeah. Okay. And you said you gave three and a half. So, three and a half. And uh, it's my third favorite movie of the year so far. Wait, so, how, how you, you gave uh, Last Duel four, four stars and you said it's your fourth favorite. Oh, oh, I flipped these back. In, oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. The Last Duel is my third favorite movie of the year. And, and this was your fourth. Wait, hold on a second. I might have messed this up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's just move on. There's a lot. We still have like a couple of <laughs> Yeah. We still got movies to go here. Uh, I saw The Last Night in Soho on October 29th. Another one I do want to see, but you went to see it on a random night. I just couldn't come. Yeah. Carl had a date that night. Oh, no. Sorry. That was when I saw Spencer. <laughs> um, <laughs> we saw each other anyway. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, oh, hey, I'm going to the movie theater. Bye. <laughs> um, so Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's newest movie. Really love what he's doing visually here. There's some really awesome shots. If you've seen the trailer, you know uh, yeah, Thomas I, and Mackenzie's character. I love that actress. Um, fantastic. Just a beautiful voice. and um, so adorable. Adorable. Really great actor. Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Another great actress. So Thomas and Mackenzie's character kind of sees dead people, kind of. she When she, early in, in the first scene of the movie, she looks in the mirror and sees her mother who's passed away in the mirror, right? Oh, so she kind of has this, I don't know, sixth sense, I guess, <laughs> for uh, lack of a non-M. Night Shyamalan term. Twist is, this movie was actually directed by M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. No, uh, it's definitely directed what by... Twist. It's definitely directed by Edgar Wright, and he's known for his twists too, right? And but better twists. I, I prefer his twists to uh, M. Night Shyamalan's twists. But I, I think M. Night Shyamalan's underrated. Anyway, we're not here to talk about him, but so the 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 mirror work that is done here is amazing when Thomason McKenzie is or sorry, Anya Taylor Joy is walking down this staircase with all these mirrors and Thomason McKenzie's reflected in the mirrors. It's really cool visual stuff. Um it's the second movie in two years that Anya Taylor Joy has been sexually assaulted by faceless men. So I don't know what to make of that. That it was uh, it reminded me of the New Mutants in that way, where, um, like, very visually similar, uh, like, faceless man characters to that movie. This movie did that uh, much better. It was very distressing. Um, some of those scenes, I, it's not it's not graphic in a way, but just the the imagery that they use of of lots of hands grabbing at Thomas and McKenzie or Anya Taylor Joy. It's it's really upsetting to watch at times, and uh, it's a really good movie. And I give it four stars, and it's my second favorite movie of the year so far. I'm just looking through Edgar Wright's filmography, and I I had no idea he directed Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is like That's... my favorite um, 
zombie movie of all time. That's like his, so like basically, it's kind of like an unofficial trilogy, right? Shaun yeah, the, the World's Dead, End. World's End, and uh, what's the other one called? The uh, Hot, Fuzz. Hot, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. So yeah. it, Shaun of the Dead's better. Hot Fuzz is amazing, though. And then... At World's End. Is, it's, uh, it's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. It's not bad. You know. It's just... <laughs> yeah. like, compared to those two. I just didn't know. And uh, to, to, he's really hit and miss for me, because like, I love mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Did not like Baby Driver. I know a lot of people liked it. I did not. Baby Driver, to me, I think I give it three stars. It's just kind of a don't really think too hard about that movie. It's just like we're here for some cool driving scenes. Scott, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, underrated. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Yeah, he's a good director. Yeah. I thought he directed like The Witch or something. I, well, who? No, that's that's uh, Ari Aster. Who no, that's Eggers. 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 Is, <laughs> I was thinking Edgar I always, Eggers. I always yeah. get Ari Aster and uh, Robert Eggers confused because yeah. their movies are a very similar type of horror that I really enjoy. Um, all right, so let's move on to Antlers. Uh, Disappointing, to say yeah. the least. I'll let you talk about it. I was just really excited to see it. I was waiting. I saw the trailer, like what I can't even remember, like a year ago, over a year ago, really. And I was excited for it. Um I thought it was going to be different. I just thought it was going to have more. Uh, I didn't think it was going to fall into like a classic monster movie mm. trope. Uh, it was boring. The mythology was really interesting. Like this is the thing. It's like it, native mythology and like, yeah, it's so freaking terrifying and interesting. And they did nothing. This is the thing with this movie. I'm glad that you hit on this because I had the exact same beef there. They touch on this great, uh, First Nations storytelling angle with this kid's dad turning into a Wendigo, and then they just they just go absolutely nowhere, nowhere with, with it. it, and there's there's no twist at all. It's just I, the entire movie is just this kid's dad turned into a wing, Wendigo, and only one person in town gives a shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> ha, that's not even a story. No, it's, it's like. It's like the it's like the first episode of a like a horror TV show that should be an eight part miniseries. Yeah, but it it goes nowhere. It just feels like completely empty movie. Like it has so much the the monster, the the mythology has so much potential to do something different. All it is is just a stupid, nonsensical monster movie where someone goes hunting for a monster. Really, yeah, and she kills it. Very easily, may I add. <laughs> pretty, pretty really easily. disturbingly easy. This thing, she fends it off with a stick, basically, and then <laughs> somehow gets to his heart and rips out the heart. <laughs> like, it was really disappointing. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, other than I was really excited for it. And this is a good cast, too. Carrie Russell and Fat Matt Damon. Like, <laughs> oh, <Jesse laughs> I love Plemons. him so much. I love Plemons. Plemons is great. He's so good in Fargo, the show. I, he's good I, I've he's only seen, in. I think, the first season of that. Well, he's he was in the good. second season. Yeah, yeah, he's so good in that. Yeah, Plemons is amazing. And then I, Jeremy T. Thomas, the little boy character, uh, he was okay. He wasn't awful, but no. I just, I don't know. I, it, this story had no no me to it whatsoever. I, I don't know. It's like they had all this potential. Like the trailers made this movie look like it was going to be so interesting. Yeah. It was like they didn't think beyond like the monster design because the monster, the monster design was cool. cool. Yeah, it was really great. It was really, really well done. But the rest of this movie was not well done. I just think that like the rest you, of this movie was underbaked. You have such a cool premise with such an interesting mythology, and you don't even touch on the mythology. Yeah, like there's a there's a scene with a native man, 
and that actor who plays uh, native native uh, uh, like yeah Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood basically uses the same two uh, um, First Nations actors in the, every movie. Yeah, so uh, like basically he touches on the uh, like uh, Graham Green. I think his name is the uh, actor. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, he touches on like a little bit of like yeah he you know this this is a nefarious force that will haunt men forever and once it gets into a man it always looks for someone mm-hmm. else and I don't know the uh, I don't know there's not much to say because like I had no idea where this movie was gonna go and it didn't go anywhere so I have <laughs> I have no way I don't know how to make this movie better like I have no clue I I, I, well, don't I just know. I just all I know is that whatever they did just didn't work well whatever they did was. They didn't do anything with it, really. Yeah, I don't, two stars I don't for me. I also gave it two stars, and it is my biggest disappointment. Thirty seventh uh, on my list. This was worse than Halloween Kills. Yeah, that's depressing. Well, and and you know what's funny is I was really excited for Antlers and Lamb because I thought they were going to continue that cool trend of recent. Uh, yeah, kind of like like oh uh, I know lighthouse. I, I thought that I thought that Lamb was going to be like on like um, midsummer level. Yeah, and then it was just like oh, that was and okay. then this one too. I thought this was going to be like a really interesting, and I thought I'm like oh Gabe's going to love this as a horror film, and like th- this just yeah 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 it was disappointing. All right, so I went and saw two movies in the last week. Uh, <laughs> what I don't even know you went. To what else did you see? I saw Spencer. Oh, another one I want to see. This is a really good one, and I won't spoil it for you, Carl. Oh, I know the story. There's nothing (laughs) to spoil, though, because there is no story here, basically. This is just Kristen Stewart being Princess Diana during Christmas (laughs) with the Windsors. And she is phenomenal. Well, how you said with the Windsors, like like that's like a like Christmas with, with the, the Windsors. Windsors. It <laughs> sounds so whimsical when I say it like that, but it's a prison for Princess Diana. <laughs> um, so this entire movie is just Diana feeling trapped and caged by royal procedure and tradition, and it's really great at setting the atmosphere. The colors are these. It uses this beautiful pastel. Um, um, color, pal- col- palette. color palette and yeah just Kristen Stewart just killing it all the other characters in this movie are pretty bland and I think it's it's meant to be that way right these people have had the personality beaten out of them from a young age right because they need to be something for the public eye right the movie touches on this theme that royals aren't people their currency right all that's all they are is a face for the dollar bill yeah so was this movie would you say critical of the royal family very critical of the royal family i don't think that they i don't think that's necessarily fair i don't think that they'll enjoy well it's it it doesn't it doesn't i feel like there's such a critical take on the royal family it doesn't really put the blame at their feet though it kind of puts it at the feet of the media and well that's really the blame that should it should be because the media ultimately chased her down and well yeah exactly and and so there's that's what it's i find funny is the people who report on the royal family and follow them and dot and you know make them secretive because is Mm -hmm. the media and then the media acts like they're shocked like wait a minute us chasing you down and murdering one of (laughs) <laughs> and that's yeah, and now you're and you're still secretive hmm well like why why would you keep secrets from us we only murdered one of your family <laughs> um, no but so but 
all that, that aside, dastardly media. <laughs> all that aside, this is the Kristen Stewart show. I think that she's going to be nominated for an Oscar for this. Um, I won't say that she's going to win one. <laughs> I don't know why. I just imagined when you said that. I for some reason pictured Mayor uh, uh, Quimby from The Simpsons going, "You're going to get an Oscar for this." Yeah, gonna, <laughs> I won't say that she's going to win one yet because we've still got plenty of performances left. We've got Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth coming up, so that's going to be that's gonna anything be like really the Macbeth good. you just watched that at the house. Yeah, I, I'm not interested. I no, this is this is a uh, uh, Cohen Brothers. Uh, Wait, Cohen so, Brothers are doing this? Well, no, it's um. Which one of them is married to Francis McDormand? That, I don't know. They're, they're the same person. <laughs> Joel or Ethan. I don't know. One of those two. It, yeah. Two Say the Coen brothers are married to. <laughs> starring Denzel Washington and Ooh. Francis McDormand. It's going to be real good. And it looks, I love Denzel. It looks real pretty. Man, he hasn't been anything in the last little no, while. No, I feel like I haven't seen Denzel. It was in what? For a little bit. Fences or? Uh, yeah. 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 He was nominated for that. I, I hope he's going to be nominated for Macbeth too. Yeah. Yeah, you. T- yeah, I, I did just watch Macbeth. Uh, it was uh, it was like a stage play. Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, That's why you watched it. Real. Yeah, I watched it for Saoirse. She was really good. I just um, don't get Shakespeare. I don't. I don't. I don't understand what they're saying. I don't understand what's happening. I'm dumb. <laughs> I've never understood Shakespeare. I've never understood why he's why the Shakespeare is so popular. I don't get it. I'm sure there's something I'm missing because obviously, but I just I don't know. Yeah, and well, it is. I can understand that. It's a little bit hard to understand, and I definitely sometimes don't understand everything they're saying. It's just kind of more of a. I don't understand anything. That they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can wait. You need you can at least pick up on the like themes that are happening. I, when right? I hear the, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's a word I the, know. The they said the. They're talking about the something. <laughs> James McArdle was freaking fantastic as Macbeth in that play though he was amazing and it was a really cool visual styling that they did on that stage play but we're not here to talk about uh stage plays because I don't know (laughs) anything about theater I'm here to talk about stage plays (laughs) I don't know anything about theater the last movie that I saw uh in this last month was Eternals this was highly disappointing you saw that with uh with our good friend ian dominagato should be on our show sometime oh he'll definitely be on the show sometime ian's a well-spoken guy and uh probably understand shakespeare and (laughs) (laughs) and he's actually trained to uh speak on microphone unlike us two uh rubes Excuse uh, me, speak for yourself. I'm a genius. <laughs> I took first year radio. I know. I have radio speak. lessons, friend. <laughs> well, he took three years of that, and we only took one. Huh, and uh, I'm better than him with one year. No, oh I'm yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> he uh, is like a million times, a <laughs> million times better than us in speaking to a microphone. But anyway, uh, Ian aside, um, he also didn't like this movie. By the way, uh, really, this to me is Marvel at nearly its worst, yeah. um, which was so disappointing to me because uh, I'm up. a big fan of Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Uh, amazing director. We both loved Nomadland Perfect last year. Movie. We both five, ra- five. We both raved about Nomadland last year. Um, this felt to me like she didn't have control of the car, ship. I don't know what you call it. I guess the spaceship ship. would be... Uh, yeah, <laughs> way Eternals, to put it. There you go. Um, is it? Do you think that might be why though? Because her, I, her style just doesn't this, fit. This movie feels like it was written by fifteen to thirty people. Like probably just, they were. 
They're like, insert joke here. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what this movie feels like. It feels like... Ikea table. Ha ha ha. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we saw this preview many times. That Ikea table joke got a laugh every time in the trailer. Oh, my God. I I I laughed the first time. I don't think it got a laugh in the movie theater when I saw this movie. Um, Marvel fans are really seeming to enjoy this one, though. But to me, this just felt... It it was... Really? Because I've... I've heard bad. I've heard nothing but. Oh, bad the things. critics are crapping on it, just like I am right now. But the, some Marvel fans are loving it. It's just I don't lo- love anything. It's just long, and it just has no personality to it whatsoever. There's like ten main characters, and like two of them are from Game of Thrones, and they're in love with the same girl. <laughs> just- and somehow they've never been involved in any of the previous like world well you know. that's kind of explained that like they're kind of like the eternals are there for one mission and one mission alone and that's to wipe out the earth of these um deviant creatures that they wiped out like 500 years ago in mexico so they've just the eternals have just been like chilling out across the world <laughs> and being like well no we're not supposed to get involved in like human affairs except for when deviants are involved um but just wait isn't deviants from that Loki show, is that what? Oh yeah, maybe the word isn't deviance here. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, you're right. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, but just none of the character because there's so many of them, none of them feel fleshed out. There is so it's kind of like the problem that the original uh, DC movie, um, the Gangster Squad, the Suicide or Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, Scoo- Suicide no. Gangster Squad. The su- wait, Suicide <laughs> Squad. <laughs> Yeah, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Not the no, Suicide Gangster Squad. Squad is a movie, I think. Gangster Squad is a movie, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Suicide Squad, yeah. Yeah, Sean Penn and uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's just too many characters. It's trying to cover too much time, too. Like, It's trying to tell the story of 10 characters across a millennium. Like, or, like It's like it, they've basically been here since the dawn of like humankind. Does it introduce um, Galactus? I don't know who's that. The big guy in the chair that floats through space. Uh, yeah, I think so. There's some giant titan creature who creates worlds. Yeah, and he's the plot of the movie is that they've been sent. They've actually been sent there, or the reason why they've been there for the last 500 years, even though they wiped out the deviants. I don't know. Is that this galactic creature wants to has been hiding? one of these other galactic creatures in the middle of the earth. And he takes energy from there being uh, intelligent populations on a planet. And then they're going to birth it out of the world and the world will end in an explosion. It's really, really stupid and (laughs) not interesting plot line. I have no, I'm not in any rush to see this. No. Kumail Nanjiani is really funny. And so is the character or the guy who plays his valet but they don't fit in with the rest of the characters. It's almost like the characters, even though they've worked together for 2000 years, it doesn't feel like they really know each other very well. Well, haven't some of them not seen each other for like a thousand years? They haven't seen each other for like 500 years, but like you think you'd know. I feel like if I didn't see If you knew someone for 1500 years. Yeah, but then if I didn't see him for 500, I'd be like, I don't know you anymore. Well, who are you? But at least you'd. Last time I saw you, King Gargamel was. Yeah, but even when even when it's back, you know, in in those previous time periods where they've worked together for a thousand years, it doesn't feel like they knew each other. Yeah, they they feel like they're in different movies sometimes, especially uh, Kumail Nanjiani. There's two characters who actually 
have like a good chemistry. They've got kind of a flirty uh, relationship with each other, but it's like barely touched on. And like the one character, like she gets pushed to the side for the longest of any of the other characters. Are they going to cut? Are they going to call for a Chloe Zhao cut? <laughs> I don't know. I almost wonder. And then I feel bad for her. It, yeah, it's, like I feel like this is awful like she, for her career at this time. Like she's she should have just. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel it like she was steering the ship on this one to me. It, I don't know. The, I don't know. The, it feels to yeah. me like people wanted. Some people wanted to do something like vastly different with like in in the Marvel universe, but that the Marvel machine was like, oh no no, you still have to have a fight at the end where they fight like some giant monster thing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I should probably wrap up. This has yeah. been a long. So I gave that movie one and a half stars, <laughs> and it's forty second. That's on one my of your list. worst. He, yeah, it's not good. I really hated this movie. It's terrible. Was it? Was that lower it's than Cry long. Macho? It's no Cry Macho. Yeah, Cry Macho was two stars. Yeah. Yeah. So huh. I enjoyed some things about Cry Macho. Yeah, like Clint. Like his, I basically enjoyed Clint. The I, rest all of I remember for that movie is is the creepy ass old man dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about that movie on the podcast. Yeah, did we, we did. We did. I think oh, so. Anyway, I don't think so. Anyway, um, I want to end this because I'm tired. Do you, do <laughs> it's you like 11:30. Do you have anything else that you want to say? I'm going to bed. Okay. <laughs> you can follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, we both have our own accounts where we leave some movie reviews, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Carl and Gabe. Go to the movies. Gabe will be watching another 18 movies in the next two days, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely be going to see House of Gucci. Stop I'm going to see movies that. me. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe you live in the area sometimes <laughs> instead of staying at your parents' house and bury all the time. Well, I don't want to drive. And, oh, also, if you uh, want to make us a theme song, uh, go ahead. We could really use one uh, instead of... One of you 30 listeners <laughs> better know how to make no, music. No, it's, it's no... I'm not saying that we need... <laughs> we, we can just continue to have a three-second sting of music at the beginning of every episode, but if anyone out there uh, wants to make a theme song for us, we will gladly accept it. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.